Welcome to the podcast of Okotoks Calvary Fellowship. Please enjoy as Pastor John opens up the word. Okay. Well, if you turn with me in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2 as we continue our look at Ruth and Naomi. And we know from last time that the previous 10 years had been very hard on Naomi. She's at the end of herself and she's returned to Bethlehem to be back with the Lord, to be back with God's people, to be back in the blessing of God. And now we're excited to see what the Lord is going to do in their lives. Well, the Apostle James lays out a beautiful promise for us in James 4, verse 8. Jim, I'm going to make sure I look at you because you always complained when you were online that I didn't stare at the camera enough. So I'm going to make sure I look at you a lot today. (laughs) But James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts you double-minded. And this is exactly what Naomi and Ruth have done. They've drawn near to the Lord, right? So, what then would you expect from God? Well, we should expect that God will now draw near to them. So here we go. Verse 1 says, There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So we find out that Naomi is related to this man Boaz through her deceased husband. But we're not told exactly how they're related. Are they cousins? Are they, you know, is he an uncle? Or, you know, we don't know the, um, uh, the direct relation. But we are told a few things about this man Boaz. First of all, we notice that he's a man of great wealth. Now, there are a couple things I find interesting about that statement. Why did Elimelech and Naomi leave Bethlehem in the first place? Because there was a famine. Now, what does famine mean in an agricultural society? It means absolute disaster it means economic catastrophe and yet God had blessed Boaz who stayed put in Bethlehem so that not only did he survive but he was rich now isn't that amazing Boaz had the same opportunity to leave 10 years before but he didn't he stayed put and God blessed him but here's the other thing In the original Hebrew language, man of great wealth is translated in other parts of the Old Testament as a mighty man of valor or a hero. He's a man of honor. He's a man of character. He's a man of goodness. But he was also a man of resources, a man of great wealth. So that's the first thing that we know about Boaz. The second thing is he was a relative. But he wasn't just an ordinary relative. 
because the word in the Hebrew language was a very meaningful word, and it was goel. To say someone was goel meant that he was special, recognized, like a recognized family representative. He's like a chieftain in the family. Well, look at verse 2. It says, So Ruth the Moabites said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now, one of the things that I love about the Bible is that it is so vivid. I want you to let the movie run in your head for a moment. You have Naomi and Ruth sitting around having a morning discussion, and they're talking about all the things that they need. I mean, they didn't exactly return with a moving van from Moab. They had nothing. And so apparently... They at least had a place to stay, but other than that, they didn't have much. And they definitely needed food and other resources. And so Ruth says, look, i got to do something to provide for our family. I'm going to go out into the fields and glean. Now, for those of you who don't know what gleaning is, it's basically going into the fields and collecting the leftover crops. They've already been professionally harvested. So you're getting kind of what's left. But this was something that the Lord wrote into their code of laws in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. He says, hey farmers, when you're harvesting your fields, this is the new John version, (coughs) you know, you're harvesting your fields. Don't harvest everything. Leave the corners and the ends of the field uncut. And if you're walking, carrying bundles of grain and you happen to drop one, don't pick it up. This was God's way of providing for the poor. It was sort of like the early social assistance back then. And this was good for the farmer because it caused him to be generous and not selfish in hoarding all that he had. And it was good for the poor because then they could provide for their families. And it wasn't a handout. They actually had to go out and work in the field to get it. But they were provided for by the generosity of the farmers. And so Ruth, knowing this, says, look, I'm going to go out into the fields. So Ruth goes out of the house, and you can picture this in your mind, right? She goes and she finds a field, and she's got to love this. Of all the fields that she could have chosen, whose field does she choose? Boaz. She doesn't know that. She doesn't know he's a relative at this point. And what Ruth thought to be a random accident or coincidence was really the hand of God leading and guiding her. And doesn't that just show us the beautiful way that the invisible hand of God works? See, God works in us supernaturally, naturally. That's God's normal way of doing things. 
But are you comfortable with that? Because you really need to be. Because sometimes I think we over-spiritualize things. It's like we're waiting for this host of angels to come over the hill and go, oh, you know, and like everyone's like, you know, it's this field. You know, there's this big sign flashing. It's like everything is connected to some great experience or it can't be of God. that's, That's just too simple. My friends, I've had times in my life where God has led me supernaturally and there's no other explanation for it. But God can definitely work through a supernatural event, but he rarely does. Instead, he works supernaturally naturally. Yeah, pages are stuck. <clears throat> so Ruth went into the fields and followed a law that God had given to the people. So he went in the natural, but the Lord directed her steps. Isn't that beautiful? Look at verse 4. It says, Now, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Is that like your work environment? (laughs) I mean, that's certainly my kind of work environment. The boss arrives, and the first thing he says to his employees, the Lord be with you. And, of course, the employees love the employer so much, they go, hey, bless you, boss, we love (laughs) you. But doesn't this show you something about Boaz? It shows us what a good man he is. He loves his employees. They love him back. He deals fairly with them. He honors, uh, they honor him, and they see his character. They see his goodness. Verse 5, Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. So let's keep that movie, ru- movie running in our heads. Boaz is out looking in his fields, and he observes all these workers. Some are cutting the grain, others are tying them up. And as his eyes scan the field, he also sees those that are gleaning, the poor that are gleaning. Now, Bethlehem was a small village, and Boaz knew these poor people gleaning, except for one. And that was Ruth. So he asks the foreman, he's like, who is this woman? And the foreman replies, it's Ruth, the Moabite, who came back with Naomi. But I really love what he adds here in verse 7. And she said, okay, this is Ruth speaking, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Friends, this supervisor was highlighting something very significant to Boaz here. And that was Ruth's submissive attitude. And what do I mean by a submissive attitude? Look, you've got to understand, when it said that in Leviticus 19, she didn't have to ask. 
It was written in their law. It was her right to glean in any field she wanted to. Yet she still came with that submissive attitude and asks to glean that field. And it obviously impressed the supervisor because he's now reporting it on to Boaz and she made a great impression just by her gentle, submissive heart and by taking initiative. Now I find it interesting that Ruth's work was already under inspection here. The supervisor knew exactly what she was doing. So he was watching her pretty closely. And you may not realize it, but that's the same with us. You and I are under inspection in a few different ways. Our lives are under inspection by the Lord God who sits in heaven. God notices the work that you do. Everything you do from the very smallest place. Second of all, your work is, our lives are under inspection from angelic beings who want to see how you live out your Christian life. Your daily Christian life is under inspection by these angelic beings, and the Bible itself says that our lives are to be a lesson to these angelic beings. And thirdly, our lives are under uh, inspection by this world that looks at you. In fact, your life may be, as the phrase has gone, the only Bible that people will ever read. And I'll tell you, many days I really wish it was different. (laughs) I wish I could just say, people, don't look at my life. Like, look at Jesus. Like, read the Bible. Don't look at me. But that's not going to happen. They're going to look at your life and they're going to judge whether Christianity is true and valid based on what they see in yours and in my life. So we're under inspection just like Ruth was, and she had a good testimony. Look at verse 8. It says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Now, you can just imagine this first face-to-face meeting that Boaz has with Ruth, can't you? And these beautiful words that Boaz just speaks to her, that we just read about. Now, I don't want to spoil this movie that's running in your head. I mean, Hollywood has a way of glamorizing these kind of love stories, right? You know what I mean. Boy meets girl, and it's just love at first sight. He's tall, he's handsome, he's well-built, she's stunning, gorgeous, like she's the epitome of womanhood. Everything is absolutely perfect. 
You know, we're never told that Ruth was a beautiful woman. We don't know that. But I want you to picture this woman who's been working hard all day in the heat of the desert with all the sweat, the dust, the dirt, no makeup, face flushed from exertion, and she's really not looking so great at that moment. And this is why I think that this is important. Boaz would not have been overly impressed by her physical beauty at this particular point. So what was he impressed with? Well, he said to himself, this is a woman of character. This is a godly woman. I want to protect her. I need to take care of her. Not necessarily in a romantic way, but this is a good woman who needs protection. So look what he says in verses 8 and, eight and 9. He says, look, you stay close to my young woman for companionship. No need for you to work alone. You stay here. I want to give you protection. I've told the men, hands off. And look, when you're tired, when you're thirsty, you're invited to use my staff refreshment stand. You don't have to worry about what you brought for yourself. I'm going to take care of you, Ruth. Now, isn't that a wonderful kindness from Boaz? Now, we have no indication of a romantic attraction between Ruth and Boaz yet. But nevertheless, he's still very kind to her, and that's the real, honest measure of a man's kindness, isn't it? Well, now look at verse 10. See Ruth's response. So she fell on her face, bowed to the ground, and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? I love Ruth's attitude here. I think many of us might be saying, you know, it's about time somebody noticed how hard I've been working around here. We never see Ruth having that kind of an attitude at all. In fact, Ruth doesn't even seem amazed about all the hard times she's been through. Like, why am I here in Israel? Why did I leave Moab? Why did my husband die? Why am I ch a childless widow in a foreign land? Why are all these things against me? Not at all. What does she do? She's amazed at the goodness of God towards her. Why has God been so kind to her? Why should I be so blessed? Why is this man taking care of me? Especially as we see in verse 10, she was a foreigner. I'm a stranger here. I don't deserve this. And I believe that this made the kindness of Boaz, Boaz to Ruth. I can't. Ugh. Even more precious. Did you know that the Bible says that we should be kind to the strangers among us? And it's very important for us that we do that. And this applies on a few different levels. One way that I want you to think about it is, 
is to think about the way that our society is changing. Did you know that in our culture, family is becoming less and less important, right? And it's sad. It's tragic. And I think God wants family to be the building block for society. And we need to do everything we can to strengthen families. But understand that having a strong family also means that you don't hate the stranger. Whenever you can, you need to invite people in to the circle that is your family. I mean, think about it. Sociologists tell us that one of the transformations going on in our society now is that the family unit has become less and less important to people while friendships are becoming more and more important. And what that means is many people identify more um, with their circle of friends today than they identify with their own families. You'll hear words like, my tribe, my posse, my crowd, or my circle of friends. And these are the people that you hang with. These are the people that are really important in your life. Not so much your family, but your tribe. And I hope that you have a circle of friends. And I hope that you do have a tribe that you connect, connect with. That's great. But is your tribe closed? Does your tribe hate the stranger? Has your tribe become a clique? Look, we have a good thing going on here. We don't want any outsiders. Friends, that's not a biblical attitude. And Boaz demonstrated that great love by welcoming the foreigner, the stranger, and God bless him for it. And he used that to bless Ruth. Verse 11, it says, And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord. For you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. Boaz knew Ruth's commitment to the God of Israel. Did you see that in verse 12? The Lord God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Boaz knew her story. He knew that Ruth had turned her heart, not just geographically from Moab, but she had turned her heart to the living God of Israel. So Ruth's response in verse 13 is simply to say, let me find favor in your sight. This is a very polite way of just saying, thank you, Boaz. <laughs> so they finished doing their work 
and it's coming to mealtime in the afternoon. Verse 14, Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. And when she rose up to glean, Boaz commanded his young man, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Also let grain from the bundles fall purposely for her. Leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. Now maybe it's just me, but I'm beginning to see a bit of this romance starting to develop here are you Boaz tells Ruth don't go out with the rest of the gleaners you come and eat here with my employees and then he gives her the favored dip of the bread and vinegar that's a special sign of favor he also passed her some of the parts grain he is really showing special favor and she notices. And do you know how I know she notices? Look at her reaction in verse 14. She ate and was satisfied and kept some back. She didn't eat everything on her plate. And she asked for a doggy bag. <laughs> and I think that's for two reasons. I think she wanted to take some home to Naomi, which good on her but I think she kind of wanted to eat delicately. She wanted to make a good impression on him. I mean, she didn't want to eat like a pig and just gorge herself, right? And ladies, think back to your dating days, and you probably know what I'm saying. But look what else Boaz does for Ruth in verse 15. He tells the young man, to let her glean from the sheaves. Do you realize that this is already harvested? It's already tied up. It's done. He says, look, look, let her take some of those. That's not gleaning, my friends. That's giving. <laughs> it's different. And then he also tells them to let some grain fall on purpose. So Boaz is showing extraordinary kindness to Ruth here. But Ruth had to receive the kindness, didn't she? Can you imagine what it would be like if Ruth was proud? Hey, Boaz, I don't need your charity. I'll glean what I can get for myself. I don't need any handouts from anybody. I'm going to do it my way. Listen, you may laugh and you think that that would be crazy. It would be kind of suicidal for Ruth to do that. And you'd be right. But can I say that many people do the same thing with their relationship with God? God wants to show you a special kindness today. Don't be too proud to receive it. Can I just paint a picture for you? Jesus is Boaz. And you are Ruth. You need him. 
You've come to glean in his field. And Jesus has come to take special care of you. But it only works if you receive it. It only works if you lay aside your pride and receive that kindness from him. And that's exactly what Ruth did. Verse 17, she, so she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she had gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. That's five and a half gallons. Then she took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. So she brought out and gave to her what she had kept back after she had been satisfied. Now remember, Ruth wasn't the only woman that was out gleaning in those fields. So imagine them working all day and they maybe gleaned a gallon. Ruth got like five and a half gallons. And then as the movie continues in my head, Ruth returns home to Naomi, but instead of you know, returning with a little shawl full of grain, she's coming in with a wheelbarrow. That's a lot. <laughs> Can you imagine how pleased Naomi was to see this? And then on top of it, Ruth gives Naomi the doggy bag that she'd kept back. But I want you to notice verse 17. It tells us that she gleaned in the field until evening and beat out what she gleans. So it tells us that Ruth worked all day. That's significant. That's like sunup to sundown kind of day. And she worked hard even at the end of the day, taking that grain and grinding it out into flour. Friends, that's how we need to glean from the riches of God. You've got to be willing to work. You've got to be willing to stoop down and pick up the grain. You've got to look for God to drop something. Stop some of those handfuls on, that he does on purpose for you to find. You've got to be ready for that and you've got to be willing to work for it. And that's exactly how Ruth received it. Verse 19. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives Ruth the Moabite said he also said to me you shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all the harvest and Naomi said to Ruth her daughter-in-law it is good my daughter that you go out with the uh, with his young woman and that people do not meet you in any other field so she stayed close by the young woman of Boaz to glean until the end of barley harvest and wheat harvest. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law. Do you know what this tells us? Every day was like that for Ruth. 
every day she received special treatment, special kindness from Boaz. And every day she came home with aprons full of a lot of grain and she ate at his table. And she was refreshed at the employee refreshment stand. How greatly she was blessed. But there's something I really want you to see here. Look at what Naomi says in verse 20. 20, It says, and let me read it again. Blessed be the name of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and to the dead. Whoa. Wait a minute here. Is this not the same woman from the previous chapter? And you know the name Naomi means pleasant. And she says, don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter. And yet now she's praising God. She's singing it at the top of her lungs. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And why is she singing? Because she has seen the kindness of God to her. And I think some of you may be in that bitter place right now. I mean honestly so. You put on a pretty good face for church. But you're in a bitter place right now. And you know what? I want you to have hope. I want you to look at this and say, okay, I'm Mara right now. I'm bitter. But he is going to show his kindness to me. And do you know where I think God is beginning? He's showing his kindness to you right now in the community of God's people. In his word, as this is being preached to you. You have great hope for the future, even though your past may have been bitter. Because God is showing his kindness to you. One last thing I want you to see before we close. Verse 22, Naomi says to Ruth, You stay with that man Boaz because not only was he generous, but he was one of their near kinsmen. He was the Goel, the special recognized family representative, the chieftain in the family. Friends, Boaz was not only kind to Ruth and Naomi, he was their deliverer. He saves them. He rescues them. And I want to say that to every person here this morning or watching in online. Not only has Jesus been kind to you, but Jesus wants to save you. He's your rescuer. He's your deliverer. But you have to be willing to receive him. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing picture. of the love that you have for us. Boaz is a type of Jesus in this. He shows his unconditional love. He's the deliverer. He's the protector. He's the provider. God, you're all those things to us. 
and how often we may be willing to receive that from somebody else, but we ignore it when it comes from you. God, your riches far exceed that of man's. Your love far exceeds that of man's. Your care and your protection of each one of us. And Lord, I don't know what it may be that's the impedance this morning for some people to receive that. Lord, take that bitterness. Take that pain. And restore the joy of your salvation. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful passage. Do a work in our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.